Hello and welcome to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Lots to get stuck into today. The really? Yeah. Okay, so I think so. The weather's taken its toll. Got some nice guests joining us You're as well. Struggling some after interesting last night. guests talk. Struggling after last night? Oh, drained. Absolutely drained. I you're drained. not wearing your flag of St George waistcoat anymore. Well, I slept in it. Fair weather fan. That's I what slept you in it, Boise, and then I... minor reversal. And I put it to one side until the Euros. Yeah. We move on. We move on. Uh, lots to get stuck into today. Here's what's coming up on Racing Debate. Mm. It's a little bit chilly, and because we're Britain, everything grinds to a halt. Uh, but yeah, we've lost quite a few meetings over the last couple of days, including on the all weather. We'll reflect on uh, that and what might be done to remedy those situations going forwards. My colleague here, Mr. Oh, Chapman, no, what, who's terribly decide, rude about everything. Who's Stone. got him on? Alan King will put Matt oh. firmly in his place, I hope. Uh, momentarily, we're going to speak to Alan about uh, Edward Stone, Trusha, oh, and all no. other matters. You've done this deliberately despite me. Those famous silks, which seemed to carry all before them uh, last season over the jumps, have been having sort of a character-building time of things in terms of little setbacks and niggles with their string. We'll hear from Richard Thompson from Chevy Park about their plans for the Christmas period and what might be happening with all their various stars. And what a story this is. Fasal Vega, owned by the Hammer and Trowel Syndicate. Who are the Hammer and Trowel Partnership? Well, they're Sean and Jerry, and we're going to speak to them both later on about the miracle horse. I'm looking forward to that. That is a good story. Yeah. Little, well, little, we're going to have a look at um, Little Facil Vega, I think, as well, being born. Who would have imagined? Yeah. Who would have imagined yeah. what uh, lay in store? Lots of other uh, bits and pieces as well. Uh, some disquiet amongst the jockeys, it seems, about the new uh, whip rules, which will be coming in soon. What else have we got? Uh, uh, Jason Service got... Uh, um, well, that is a big story, isn't deal. it? Stateside. Service, about to go to prison. Can't drug horses and get away with it, hopefully. And he did drug horses, and he's admitted it, and he's going to go to prison for it. It's very likely Navarro's got five years, so you'd imagine he'll get something similar uh, for his uh, uh, plea. Um, there was some debate as to whether he was ever going to enter a plea, but he has in the end, Jason Service. He had a very high-profile lawyer, didn't he? Same woman who represented um, Cuomo over in the States. But uh, Jason Service has now entered a guilty plea on two of the charges, and so they've done a... Which is kind of standard in America, I think, isn't it? That they, they've reached a kind of negotiated settlement where some of the charges have been dropped, but two of the most significant ones he's um, pled guilty to. Uh, won't be sentenced until the 18th of May next year. Faces pro probably four years, five years in prison. Uh, mm. Navarro got four or five, I can't remember, something of, of that order. Uh, part of the same sort of uh, case, of course. Played a role in the distribution of adulterated and misbranded drugs. This, what, what lessons do we draw from this, Matt? What do you take from this whole case and how it's unravelled in, in America? Well, firstly... I think fair play to the American authorities that they have found this group out. But they didn't. I well, would say the FBI did. OK, yeah. OK. And that's, Any authorities that's a, have found this group out. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, absolutely at the top of the list of anything to do with horse racing, because despite what anyone will tell you in the big wide world, the game we play in and we love is 100% about betting. That is what the world of horse racing is about. And punter confidence in the sport they are betting on is 100% the most crucial thing that is out there. So um, it's important that punter confidence is kept at a high. Thirdly, though, it opens up all the questions about, OK, well, if one person is guilty of doing it, how confident can we realistically be that in the whole world... This is the only person doing what he was doing. And that 
is where the difficulty comes, Sean. And well, we just have to pray that authorities around the world are on top of this situation and that it is as straight as it can ever be, as anything can ever be where there's money involved. Mm. But that is an issue. Yeah, I think, I th I think that is a lesson. To learn from. I mean, it's great that, they, that this became a criminal investigation because we don't normally see that. And when it's been tried here, it's failed. Uh, so it was a successful criminal investigation, which is why we get these these proper penalties, actual jail terms. Twenty nine yeah. people, I think, investigated in total, and several of them are going to go to to prison for substantial amounts rather than being warned off for a few months or whatever. So it's it's, it's a very serious sort of situation. One of one of those people who pled guilty early on, who was involved in the supply of these kind of synthetic performance enhancing drugs, said, "I supply." everyone he was quoted to say like he's got hundreds of clients now which does leave the question how many have been caught and Navarro and service have been have been caught and the other question that I, I I think we're guilty in this on this side of the Atlantic of saying these are oh, these Americans with their drugs and stuff like that how confident are we given that these went undetected for so long because they were designed to be undetectable how confident really can we be well, I mean... <laughs> that we're clear of anything I like mean, that. the answer to that question is, Sean, no-one really knows, because training of racehorses is a highly secretive business. Like, we don't really know what goes on behind closed doors when it comes to training a racehorse. We really don't. I guess uh, lots, of, lots of people say, well, you know, there's no, no evidence of any uh, issue here, and we have testing here. And we, um, um, but, Sean, how often do we hear about pastes, about, you know, um, injected stuff that is either legal or illegal and some well, of it's that, not that, illegal that's a whole but, other interesting but what i'm issue, saying yeah. is there is a whole load that goes on behind those stable doors that you and i as as i think i can just i hope i won't offend you here but as outsiders yeah. we know nothing about what goes on i don't I, the pace that are going on, i mean like you and i probably unless you, unless you're one of those people who hates taking uh, pills for anything but you and i probably would take a paracetamol if we have a headache but we have no idea what horses are given for various issues, really, are we? Only no, vets really well, There's two issues. One is the, the, the totally illicit stuff, which is what's happened in this case. And the other thing which has come to light, not so much through this case, but through other cases of high-profile trainers, and, uh, is, is, is the, the use of legitimate things, yeah. like steroids injections in joints and stuff like that. And who's keeping abreast of how much that is going on and whether it's being overdone and all that? I mean, when I spoke to Bob Baffert at Breeders' Cup at length, um, you know, he was absolutely adamant that the stuff he was giving these horses was, was helping them no problem. And, and then you get into an even deeper topic, um, like the drugs used for bleeding. Now, everyone would say you shouldn't use Lasix and all that kind of stuff. But if racehorses bleed, it's very easy to argue that giving them something to stop that, if the pressure of racing a racehorse causes a, a horse to internally bleed, then isn't it... Quite logical, therefore, that they should be given something to help them not do that. Yes, and yeah. yet, the the people out there, the racing fans, would say, well, hold on, you shouldn't be giving them Lasix, you shouldn't be giving them this, it's absolutely wrong that this racing nation is doing that. But if you actually look at it from a, I hate to use the word, but from a welfare angle, aren't, aren't you just helping the horse? Well, I think that there's short-term and long-term issues there, and that's one of the big issues, one of the reasons that the, the judges in these cases have been so emphatic in the in the states is, is the welfare issue that these horses have been administered with things which haven't been tested yeah. you know terrible 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 stuff final thing on this it, it's not just the drugs and all that side of it though it affects the breed because we have horses that are are technically could 
in this space of time have won races that go on to be stallions or, maximum or, security. or producers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like horses who can affect the breed yeah. and effectively become perhaps great horses, are considered great horses, but in fact weren't great horses at all. And they are therefore breeding to others, and the whole game could collapse yeah. if this was going on worldwide. Maximum security, his, his, his stock is dropping, I'm sure, as we as we speak, so probably not a, a, a massive issue in the long term, but absolutely uh, a fair point. Now, no racing today at Newcastle. If you're watching us live, um, uh, we're off today, Sunday, we're off on Saturday as well. And there was a bit of dismay about this because of course the the course prepared their track as they usually would and then when trainers and jockeys arrived they said well hold on we're not happy with the uh, the surface here and after much discussion and much um, inspection of the track it was decided uh, that they wouldn't race yesterday at Newcastle which is a bit is a bit, a bit of an odd turn of events in in many ways and it sounds like the the top of the surface was okay but underneath it was it was um, not okay and trainers and jockeys were unhappy with it but the the course have, have pointed out and this is a statement that's been issued again this morning from uh, ARC from Mark Spencer who's director of ARC's racing division says following the abandonment of racing at Newcastle yesterday the team continued to undertake deep work across the track uh, whilst temperatures dropped to minus three and minus four overnight further inspection early this morning Alongside the BHA Racecourse Inspector, it shows the track is in the same position as yesterday. That's interesting, isn't it? It sounds like they were working overnight and still it was in the same position this morning, hence the early abandonment of today's meeting. And whilst the maintenance of the track at Newcastle has continued to follow all of the standard procedures throughout this period, there is further investigation to be done into the surface and the subsurface. This work will commence immediately alongside the manufacturer and BHA, as well as colleagues from ARC's other Tapita-based racecourses. Again, we'd like to apologise for the inconvenience that this has caused everyone involved. And that sounds like to me, the right approach. I, I came in this morning thinking somebody needs to get to the bottom of this because the course say we've we've prepared the track normally, and the, and the owners, the trainers, and jockeys are saying, well, well, it's not right. It hasn't it hasn't worked, but it looks like there is now going to be some kind of investigation to find out what's gone wrong because something must have gone wrong. Yeah, um, look. Uh the producers of Tapita, effectively Michael Dickinson's family, um, will look at that. But for sure, for me, this is this is actually nothing to do with the people who work on the tracks. Eloise, who works at Newcastle, I mean, I've I've sort of almost she's almost sort of grown up with me as a presenter and gone through the ranks, and I've met her dozens and dozens of times at Windsor and and then at Newcastle. Uh, I know, um, just like Sophie Candy before uh, at Windsor, who now works for the BHA, that these are two people who, who would live and breathe their tracks. Oh, yeah, they, they would do everything for their tracks right, to yeah. make them right. And, and for me, therefore, this is actually not about track management. It's not about blame. It's no one's fault. For me, the one issue with this whole subject, Sean, is the fact that someone somewhere has decided to call them all-weather tracks because they are not all-weather tracks. And that, those two words are the only things that cause us an issue in all of this. Now, if you go on Google right now, and I've done it myself, so I know this for a fact, and you put it, I put in what all-weather tracks uh, horse race in the UK. Uh, the first thing that pops out, Lingfield is the most prestigious all-weather track in the UK, and it gives the six all-weather tracks, and there's jockeys who are doing their guides to British all-weather tracks. I don't know who decided. Is it, I, isn't this a bit of a stick and prove? No, no, it's though, not. Like changing the no, words. No, it, no, it, well, no, Sean, because the words are lying. They're lies. These are not all-weather tracks. It's a lie. It's just a lie.
Yesterday proves it's a lie. It is a lie. These are poly tracks yeah. and these are tapita surfaces that can operate under most conditions. Artificial but, surfaces. Yeah, but they are not all-weather surfaces. Okay. And if I was in charge of British racing, um, uh, I would... Only a matter of time, surely. Well, I mean, at least there would be someone in charge then. <laughs> uh, but if I was in charge of British racing, I would say to all broadcasters and I would say to all racetracks, track authorities do not call your tracks all-weather tracks because they are not all-weather giving you giving them a stick to beat you with there's no a, difference a, a pro push to beat there, you. Sean 100 percent and I know you're mocking me now I'm not but, I'm not, I'm and, not. And maybe people will mock me on social media that's up to them but 100 percent there was no difference Newcastle being abandoned yesterday to Cheltenham being abandoned the only difference has become is because someone somewhere decided, and I am as guilty as many, I've used it almost every present presentation shift that I've ever had, but someone decided it was okay to call them all-weather tracks and they are not all-weather tracks. No, well, I take your point that they can't survive all extremes of weather, but this is not an extreme of weather. This, the, the, weather the temperature at Newcastle was not extreme. It wasn't minus well, It 40, was an extreme of weather for these tracks. No, it wasn't. It's, it's well within the normal compass of what they would normally cope with, and they are designed to cope with winter conditions. So th I take your point that is, they can't cope with absolutely everything. If they get flooded by a river, then they can't race yeah, it. So they're not all-weather tracks. And if you take those two words away, you take the ammunition away. Because the first thing you'll get on social media is... Hold on, aren't they called all-weather tracks? Uh, the moment you feed people an excuse to yeah. complain, I, they will I, complain, I, Sean. I understand that point that you're, you're making. You're feeding people I, an excuse. I understand that point, but that criticism, say, oh, I thought it was all-weather, is, is a facetious and stupid one to make. But it is fair to point out that what we experienced at Newcastle was well within the normal scope of that track's ability to cope. It would normally be able to race in those conditions. So something, something w went awry yesterday. No more all-weather, Boise. AWTs uh, are still with us. We'll be back with more chat after this. Welcome back to the Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Uh, myself and Matt with you for the, the rest of the show. Uh, do get in touch. Uh, emails and tweets are welcome. Kieran Fallon agrees. Just message with Kieran, what? the enforcer. He says, I agree, it's not all weather. Tell Sean to get off the fence. That's from the that's from the assassin. Be careful, Sean. Kieran, Kieran with a K. Kieran with a K, the big okay. K, not the little one. The okay. big K. The assassin. I understand the point you're making, but it doesn't apply in this particular situation. Yeah, well, it gonna, wasn't an extreme gonna, situation Don't try and yesterday. get on Kieran Fallon's and good books now. there's still an issue with what happened yesterday, and it needs to be got to the bottom of, and I'm sure it will. I'm the sure assassin will. disagrees. Hear the whistle coming from behind me. Uh, now, let's move on. Alan King joins us on the phone. I'm delighted to say this time last week, Alan, we were reflecting on the brilliant, the scintillating, the sexy success of Edward Stone. At least I was. How is he? He's very well, Sean. Thank you. Um, came out of it well, was back country midweek, and um, they're ready to do a bit of stronger work next week as we get them ready for Kempton on the 27th. It was a hell of, I, you know, it was a very, very impressive win, is, is the truth of it. Uh, you know, I know eyes were on Shishkin and what have you, but your horse won it very, very well. But there are some doubters still, as you may know, Alan, about how great Edward Stone is. And I, I, I was quite a late convert myself. So there's two schools of thought. Either it's a slightly weak cohort, this division at the moment, or this horse has just improved and improved over the last sort of three seasons. Which, which camp are you in? I think he's definitely improved. We've made no secret of the fact that 
since he went over fences. You know, he settles much better. And I think we've, we're seeing the finished article. Um, he used to be very free over hurdles. And we had to ride him from a long way back in those 20-runner handicaps, which is always difficult. But as I said, since he went over fences, he's relaxed. And, you know, Tom rides him supremely well. And um, I think he is, he is still improving. There you go. Isn't what quite magical about him as a two-mile chaser, Alan, the fact that he... He can clearly stay further. He's a horse that perhaps one day you could even run in a King George. And, and that mixture of travelling pace plus stamina makes him uh, a, a mega talent. Well, I think he's very talented. I don't think you're going to see him at three miles for some time. I mean, <clears throat> I was brought up with David Nicholson. And he said, if you've got a good two-miler, stick at it. And, you know, we were very fortunate in those years with um, Viking flagship Waterloo Boy and... You know, the Duke never stepped them up and trip to really couldn't win it too. And um, I'm a great believer that we'll, 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 we'll leave this horse at two miles now for the time being. Yes, you mentioned some great ones with the Duke. and You've had some good two-milers yourself, Alan. So you, you know what you're talking about when you say, is this horse, as I think he's now proved himself last season and with what he did the other day, the real deal, top draw, top quality two-mile chaser, or has he... Um, you just call him magical, Matt. You weren't calling him magical last I did. You were calling him dull. See, this is boring. the problem, Sean. You don't listen like many people on you social media. You did call media. him dull. I called him a mega talent, but I said he's a bit dull. And I stand by that, and I'm happy to say that too, Alan, uh, who is the kind of gentleman who will be quite happy to, to back, back at me. What I mean by that, Alan, is that actually as a hurdler, I found him quite exciting because you were having to bury him and he'd come through horses. But he's kind of become a little bit boring for me because almost because he's so perfect he just he's he is dull isn't he he just gets it done he's not like a masterminded or a sprinter sacra he's more like a dodging bullet well if you think he's dull i certainly don't i mean you would be an expert on this though matt you know you you sort of heavily involved with the racing league well i mean that is the most dullest thing i've ever seen on racing so you know i i, I should just bow to your superior um, knowledge you know well, maybe it's a case of beauty being in the eye of the beholder. I want, it's Poor it. Racing League. Of all the slugs I thought he might send back at me, to have a pop at Racing League is a yeah, bit it was, hard. it was a bit tangential. You could have just gone for the man rather than play the ball there. Just um... No, I mean, but the, I, the, the point we were trying to make, Alan, and I did say he's a mega talent, although, of course, that was lost because it, it doesn't grab social media, that kind of comment. Um, but my, my point is, I, I was saying that will the, will the fans really take to him like a desert orchid or something like that? And at the, for me, he, he, he lacks that, that flair. But, of course, that doesn't make him a bad horse. He's just, he's just so professional, isn't he, now? That's, that's the point I was trying to make. And, obviously, it was slightly dissected, particularly by your former stable rider, who I believe completely stitched me up with you. Well, yes, I didn't watch last week's show, Matt, but um, um, I, I, it was reported back by Chalk, yes. But there we are. As I say, nothing that you say surprises me. Uh, the interesting thing is um, he, he got the award for the last season's leading novice at the ROA Awards on Thursday evening. And when you think what he was up against, Brave Man's Game, the Grand National winner, um, Ahoy Senor, Willie Mullins' his top novice, and, and, and actually the owners voted for Edward Stone. So I don't think they're finding him dull. Yep. No, not not awards the... I've ever been invited to, Alan. So. <laughs> <laughs> he might be the sexiest horse around on that basis. Um, Matt's got some other advice for you, including Trushan should go... Oh, early. don't. No, he's already said this isn't going to happen. You can't bring this up again. It's a nonsense idea, isn't it? Trushan hurdling any chance, Al? No. There we go. Never? 
Oh, not for the, not for the foreseeable future, no. Okay. So coming back to Edwardstone, we go to, we go to the Desert Orchid at Kempton, and then would you try and find another race before Cheltenham, or do you think that would be it? No, I'm not frightened. To, I don't wrap them up, as you know, Matt. So I, it would be a very similar um, program to last year that I would like to go Kempton 27th. We could sort of leave him alone through January and then game spirit. Um, now, he won on the corresponding day last year when he won the, the Kingmaker at Warwick. So it would be a very similar um, run of races to, to, to last year, you know. We did stand down on to Kempton, then Warwick, then Cheltenham. And we'll do something similar this year with him. Yeah, despite... he, he, he enjoys racing and he takes his racing touchwood very well. So... Um, you know, he's not one I'd like to wait from um, Christmas to all the way to March. He could be very fresh come then. No ducking and diving. No, and, and Alan, that is one thing I think everyone loved about Edward Stone last season was the fact he ran so many times and we, we did really get to know him and understand his progress from being a, a slight tear away to, this, to the horse that we have now. Um, in relation to, I mean, I think your first big winner would have been back in 1999 with Rail Keel and Anzum and Rail Keel came along very early on, Al. But in relation, I mean, you've had so many good horses. How would Edward Stone place? Is he... Is he right up there now with the best you've trained? Well, I think he is. I mean, he's now rated 170. So, you know, I don't like comparing him to my other sort of superstars that we've been lucky enough to have. But, yeah, he, I think he's, he, he's certainly been a par with a few of them. You know, Boy Paul was a wonderful old horse, My Widow Souls, and uh, slightly different type, but catch it too. So, it's, uh, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of class about him as well. Yeah. A couple of terrific horses, Boy Poor and, and My Way, around at the same time. What, um, what have you made of the uh, reaction to the whip from the jockeys this week, Alan? Is that something you involve yourself in? Uh, you're a great champion of your riders, but uh, some disquiet from the, from the weighing room about the new whip rules. Have you, have you got any sympathy for the, the riders? I do, and I, I mean, I think, and, and it's very interesting that jockeys using it in the sort of forehand position or backhand position. I think the odds only finds it very difficult to give them a crack on the right face, you know? And was it Sean Bowen the other day that. Um, got done for, for hitting the horse in the wrong place. And I don't know, I, I, it seems to me that I can't see it's been pushed through. But I think the jockey should have sort of started seeing something about this a long time ago, not waiting for a month before the new rules are coming in or two months. But, um, and I do seriously worry it coming in just before Cheltenham. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. But it's typical probably of the things some of the BHP do. Final just question, Alan. I just wanted to just give Tom Cannon a mention, who's a, who's a jockey I have adored for a long time, even long before he became your stable rider. Um, you've had some great riders over the years, but I really feel TC is, is, is putting, basically justifying all the faith you put in him and Tom Bellamy as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's something I'm very proud of that I'm put 22 years training and he's only my third stable jockey. Um, we had my, I wanted to say, just Chris Gordon that kept saying, you, you must get the boy in to, to, to ride out. And I think it somewhat shocked him when I nicked him off him or tried to. But uh, um, No, Tom came on board a good few years ago, and I, I didn't see Wayne Hutchinson retiring when he did. And I, I thought I probably had two years with, with Wayne just to, bring, um, just to bring Tom on quietly. And then suddenly Wayne decided he had enough, and um, Tom got rather, rather thrown into the deep end. But... He's got his confidence, and you know, he's, I, I'm, I'm very happy to have him. And, and similar with Belzy, you know, he, he's been around the place for a long time. Obviously, he is Emma's number one, and she has first call at him. But you know, Belzy still rides a lot for me, and uh, they're two great guys to have around the place.
Two great toms. Uh, look, great stuff, Alan. Many thanks for your time today. Really appreciate that. Pleasure. And, um, you know, uh, Matt, you just don't, don't be getting too carried away with these, this dullness, please. OK, boy? <laughs> uh, if, I'm, if I'm anything to do with racing league, Alan, I'm not sure you'll be in my team next year. I won't be in the teams next year because I got totally <laughs> turned off by it. <laughs> I can't Thanks, believe I, I, something I do could turn Alan King off. Well, who, who knew? I can't believe I could turn anyone off. Who knew? You'll just First have time to know about Edwardstone, though, whose fan club increases the sex-filled <laughs> Edwardstone. Richard Thompson from Cheveley Park joins us next, back after this. Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. I'm delighted to say that we're joined by our next guest. Richard Thompson from Cheveley Park joins us, the Cheveley Park Supremo. Um, I, at the top of the show, Richard, I, just, I described the last few weeks as being a bit character-building for your, for your team because you've, you've had a few bits of not-so-good news, little niggles and setbacks to deal with. Uh, how are you with that kind of thing? Are you pretty stoic or do you pull your hair out? Very stoic, actually. I mean, we, we've been in the racing game a long, long time, obviously on the flat, obviously, in the majority of it. But the recent years, obviously, as, you, as we know, a few National Hunt horses. And, you know, we know the game, so we, the highs and lows. And we had terrific highs last year, last season, and the season before, actually. We were due a few knocks. Um, we were due a bit of bad news. So we, we accept, totally accept it, take it on the chin. It's all part of uh, being involved in uh, racing, National Hunt racing. And, you know, we, we as you know, we... Having won the Cheltenham Gold Cup last uh, season, I mean, I genuinely feel we're in bonus territory now anyway. Yeah. Well, look, you won the Cheltenham Gold Cup by 15 lengths with a Plutard. Maybe that's good news, though. A, a Plutard beaten and pulled up in, in, in the Betfair chase. And, but, but something has come to light. So perhaps that's a silver lining in a way that there was, there was a reason for that performance. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he wasn't injured. He, 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 he didn't appear right going down to the start. And uh, Rachel reported when, he got up, when she got off, having pulled him up, that... He wasn't right. He didn't, you know, he'd been working terrific, terrifically well at home, but um, his bloods weren't right. His lung wash wasn't right. You know, there's no way he could have um, been himself in the Betfair chase. So uh, that is good news in that respect that we obviously had a very good explanation for why he didn't perform that day. I mean, we, we, he'd run for us before the Betfair chase uh, in November. He'd run 14 times for us and finished in the first three every time, you know, so, uh, and four grade one. So we know how good he is, but uh, so... The Betfair chase was too bad to be true. We knew there couldn't be. Uh, there had to be something. Knew there had to be something wrong with him. Yeah. And so, w when will we see him next? What's the What's the latest? Well, we'd hope to still see him potentially in the Savills Chase uh, after Christmas. I mean, that's still the aim. I think we're 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 fingers crossed he does make that. He's improving all the time apparently, but we won't rush him back, of course, because the the, the we have to aim for the Gold Cup again, and uh, we have to protect him. So. Uh, we certainly won't push him into running in the Savills, but of course he's run in the Savills for the last the last couple of years, having won it in 20 and, and been beaten by a short head uh, last year. So um, it's a race he obviously enjoys. Okay. Um, while we're on the Christmas period, uh, no Alaho we know in the King George, but Envoy Allen is is still set for the King George. So that's still very much the yeah, plan. 100%. 100%. I mean, again, he's a horse that we could talk about for a few minutes, but. Uh, Definitely the plan, and he won his grade one, as you know, the, the Ladbrokes Champions Chase down Royal a few weeks ago, and that was terrifically impressive over three miles, and he was running through the line, so uh, we'd be very hopeful that he could run a big race in the King George. Was, was three miles always going to be the plan for him this, this year, Richard? I, th I think it was. I think it was, yeah. I mean, 
he'd run over, you know, he'd, he'd gone back to two miles. He'd run, he'd won the Paddy, Paddy Club uh, rewards, obviously last Christmas, only a three runner, I know, and then third in the champion chase at Cheltenham. So I think that, you know, trying him out of two miles last year, uh, I think we, we had a plan to revert him back to three this year and it, obviously it worked and it felt that it, it, was, it was the right distance for him. Okay. We, should, we should remember that there was a time when Envoy Allen was like Constitution Hill. You know, it was like a horse that just would never get beat. So he's got all that all ability. Just with Alaho and Repluta, Richard, a lot of people who saw Alaho won, win the Ryanair straight after that were saying, oh, if only the horse had been in the Gold Cup. Can, can we establish if, uh, and we know both these horses have to come back, but if they both manage to get to Cheltenham in March, will Alaho definitely be in the Ryanair and a Plutard in the Gold Cup? Or is there still a chance that you could run two in the Gold Cup or even two in the Ryanair, technically? But you, you know what I'm saying? Is it, are, are they going to run in separate races if they get there? It's, do you know what, Matt? It's not about necessarily... I mean, Alaho, it's a good question about Alaho. Obviously, in, in a way, I'd, I'd love, to, love to run in the Gold Cup. But, but the, um, you know, the Cheltenham Hill, as we know, is a true test. He won the Puntistown Gold Cup. He's won the Ryanair a couple of times, obviously, easily. He's, he's controlled all those three races. Um, running in the Gold Cup, obviously, is a, ma is a massive test. And a horse like Aputar, ironically, um, would probably have the, uh, the you know the acceleration to, um, to take him on the, on the hill. So it's not about keeping them apart. It's about what the, what the best race for Alaho is. And, you know, although it'd be tempting to go for the Gold Cup, and Willie, I know Willie's, Willie would be keen, as long as he comes back, to, to, to go for the Ryanair again. On balance, oh, that's not that's not a set in stone. But um, the Gold Cup, the Gold Cup's the pinnacle, um, as I've always said. So, uh, you know, if there was a chance that one felt at that time he could go for the Gold Cup, why not? But I, but at the moment, the right the the Ryanair chase would be would be the plan to try and win it three times would be a, a, a historic achievement. Anyway, yeah, mm -hmm. it might be fair that Willie thinks he's going to win the Gold Cup with another horse as well. Well, that's another point, you know, when he's obviously got a strong squad. <laughs> he does indeed. How, how, is, that, is that a tricky thing to negotiate? I mean, you're, you're with the best sort of big race Cheltenham winner around with Willie Mullins, but he does have a, an awful lot of ammunition. Is it, is it difficult to negotiate that? Or do you have the final say if you want it? Look, I think at the end of the day, if one, I suppose as an owner, if you want to have the final say, of course. But Willie's, Willie's the master. Willie's obviously, we all know how you know, how, uh, what a top man he is in terms of and his track record. So I wouldn't go, I mean, I would never, if, if Willie said he, he actually felt the Ryanair was best for the horse and that was what he felt, I would, we would go with that. We wouldn't go against Willie if that, if he felt strongly, absolutely. I, I, I've always made it clear the Gold Cup's the pinnacle and the Gold Cup's where the magic dust lies, but um, we've now won the Gold Cup. So uh, that that's obviously sort of, Although I'd love to, we'd love to win it again, of course. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Willie, Alaho, I think Willie, Willie would make the final decision because he knows the horse better than we do, and he knows what's best for the horse, and he also knows what that what that hill, that Cheltenham Hill, takes out of horses. And Alaho, did Alaho did run in the in the RSA in 2020, and was was caught obviously by um, Champ and well Manella Indo as well coming up the hill. Um, you know. Uh, and that's a three-mile rate. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, the RS is three, isn't it? So, you, you know, I, I think we have to go with Willie on the final decision. Can I just ask... We, we haven't got too much longer, Richard, but I just want to ask you one question. Well, last time we spoke to you, you said, in the next few years, the Cheveley Park stud colours will disappear from the jumps game. Is, is that still the case, or have you been a bit sneaky and gone and bought a few? 
Well, to be honest, Matt, you remember our last uh, one of our last interviews when uh, um, when we had that sort of uh, <laughs> that bit of a funny exchange, and my, my mum was mentioned. But we did buy two recently. Um, <laughs> Uh, about to sell them sale um a few go on mum go on exactly <laughs> and i think mum enjoyed her experience at Cheltenham so much and winning the gold cup and, and and having the three winners i think that you know and seeing the chiefly colors obviously do so well in the in, in the in, in in the national hunt game and of course you know with henry and with willie you know the relationships we've, we've formed forged very good relationships with both of those trainers so uh yeah we bought a couple more so we uh we, 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 we did what you wanted us to do. What a lady your mum is. Go on, mum. Oh. Keep buying, because we want to see these colours. Surely, uh, we, we have to leave it there. It's, it's a good note to leave it on, because I, I think people like seeing these colours. Yeah. jumps. Well, yeah, I must just ask you, in Spirals, I know you don't deal with the flat quite so much, but in Spirals stays in training next year, doesn't she? Uh, definitely, 100%, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that, and that will be exciting. Like so, so the, from from Mum's point of view, the flat is still absolutely as strong as ever, doing well. The jumps, she's very sneaky, buying sneakily behind the scenes. This is great for everyone. Look, Chibi, as you know, is a predominantly a flat uh, um, racing and breeding operation, and that's the core of it. We've really loved the jumps. Um, um, the foray into jumps in recent years, but we have we also appreciate we've got very, you know, we've had some fantastic wins and days out. It's been marvellous. So I think, you know, I think definitely we were, I said we bought a couple more recently. So, uh, and of course, we had two youngsters yeah. out recently in you know, Classic Getaway <laughs> and Grange Clare West. Both um, both um, came out about two or three weeks ago in Ireland and both, both won well. So, you know, hopefully, um, you never, you know, in the future, et cetera, there were certainly in the, in the short term, we'll, we'll have a few in the red, white, and blue colours in the national hunt, 100%. Good stuff. Brilliant stuff. Many if thanks, only, Richard. If thanks only the colours weren't the French flag. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Good Richard. Stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Richard Thompson from Chiefly Park. Thank More you. chat with the Fassal Vega owners next. Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. This time last week, week Matt, we had Tony Mullins tweet, didn't we? And he said, Fassal Vega... I think he used the word probably, which did sort of qualify it, but probably the best horse he'd ever seen. It was Carlsberg stuff, wasn't it? It but, was. But certainly, I don't think, apart from maybe Hurricane Fly, because he always used to talk about Hurricane Fly in a different way to Faheen, I don't think I've ever heard or seen the twinkle in his eye like he does with Fasil Vega. It's a different level. It is. Imagine owning him. Imagine owning Fasil Vega. Well... We're about to be joined by oh, yeah. the people who do own Fasal Vega. Sean Dean and Jer O'Brien join us. Welcome, Sean and Jer, to the, to the show, um, the Hammer and Trowel Syndicate. Good morning, lads. Good morning, good morning. Uh, start. Hammer, 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 Sean. Hammer, we're good. Um, Hammer and Trowel, explain that. Why, why, why are you the Hammer and Trowel? Uh, I'm a bricklayer, and uh, this fellow beside me is a, a carpenter. So the Hammer and Trowel was just uh, appropriate. Fantastic. Yeah. And simple, like and ourselves. Simple. I had a project, <laughs> I, got, I got a sting of a wasp on Friday of all things, and uh, that's why I'm slightly down on this face, but it's okay. Yeah. Now, that's, that's, that's where we got the name, not, uh, lads. Not where um, were you? So, it's not really the weather for wasps. <laughs> I, I, I went to a wasp, a dying wasp. Oh, an angry wasp. <laughs> now, listen, the yeah. facile Vegas story, have you guys owned hundreds of horses and you've just um, hit pay dirt after, after owning hundreds of horses. What's the story? Oh, well, it's certainly not hundreds, but we've been involved in horses for 
definitely more than 30 years mm-hmm. um, with different groups and um, as the hammer and trowel. So we served our time for a number of years before we got a couple of decent ones. And um, every win we got, whether it was with the hammer and trowel or in the other groups, every one of them was very enjoyable. And it, but it, it, that bug bites you and you never want to leave it. Yeah. And tell us then about the Facile Vega story. How did you come to, to get hold of this horse in the first place? What's the story? Well, we didn't get hold of him. We got hold of his mother in 2006. And um, so I suppose she was very successful for us. And when um, she was retiring in 2014, the decision was made. We'd keep her and breed from her. And we were lucky enough to have um, produced... Um, she has produced six foals at the moment and is in fall again. So hopefully the dynasty continues. So t- tell us, boys, how, how does it feel? You have a horse like Quivega who wins at every Cheltenham festival. You get used to it kind of thing. You just, you just know you'll turn up to Cheltenham and you'll win. Um, you got To be fair, I think I would have given you a bit of stick from time to time because I always thought Quivega deserved her chance in a champion hurdle. She was that good. But we don't need to get into that debate now. But then to have something as good as her, and you have had horses obviously out of Quivega who have won, but they've been nothing like Fasil Vega. And now you've got Fasil Vega, who just looks... Won, as good as his that, mother, but possibly better. Yeah, there's only one that has run previously, Princess Vega. Yeah. She won a maiden hurdle and got injured in the process. So that was really the end of her. And she's a broodmare now and has a fall at foot and in fall again. So, you know, the Queen Vega's a grandmother as well. How, I mean, how, just that, that journey, though, from having this incredible mare, Queen Vega, because you must have kind of thought, well, we're never going to get one as good as her, but we'll have some fun. Yeah, and um, uh, even going back to that in 2006, seven, within three weeks, we had two horses got um, within three weeks of each other. The other one happened to be Thousand Stars. So to have the two of them at the one time, it's just an incredible journey. And as you say, to consider that it would come round full circle with, with herself producing Fasa and Vega. No, that's, it's what dreams are made of, isn't it? It's, it's why people do it. Absolutely. At what point, though, with this horse, Sean, did you did you realise what Fasal Vega could be, uh, and and who first told you, look, this horse is special? It, it, it happened when he was um, a two-year-old. He was down in Wexford with John Berry, and John Berry told us that uh, we had something special. So I mean, a guy with John Berry's experience and whatever, he, he he'd know. Yeah. Sean, you kindly sent me the video of the day Fasil Vega was born, which, which we, can, we can show. Just tell us your experiences as this horse popped out. It was just incredible. Yeah, that's my wife doing the commentary, Mary. <laughs> I mean, we, we can't hear Mary, unfortunately. But no, but we can, we can, see, we the can horse. See, the, see the shots. Just, oh, yeah, Mary was doing the commentary, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful day. I mean... <laughs> When, when a horse is bred out of a horse like Quivega like that, are you, are you almost just overjoyed it comes out with four legs and a tail and anything after that Absolutely. is a bonus? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was very hard to know in that picture of what we were actually looking at. And now you've got this machine, and you know, look, we all know what Willie's like. He plays his cards closer to his chest than any poker player in the world. Um, but with this horse... You'll have seen that twinkle in his eye that we've rarely seen before. 
Yeah, he seems to enjoy it, doesn't he? And um, as I said before, when Willie says that he's he's looking at something, whatever word you want to use, um, something brilliant, whatever he turns out to be, you just have to sit up and take note. Yeah, the amount of quality horses that has gone through that the Ireland or something, it's just extraordinary that this one is the one that he loves at the moment, and we're so happy that it happens to be him. Good name as well, Fasso, which I presume means easy, Vega, doesn't it? He's doing everything easy at the moment. Um, let's talk about one or two of the highlights. So the, the, the Cheltenham bumper win, and Matt's touched on what you've been through with Quivega, but this was something extraordinary in, in, in terms of what he did that day. Yeah, we were kind of lucky. Uh, I was lucky that day. I was unaware of what was happening before the race. I was along with Jackie Mullins in the ring, and I said, Jackie, where is the horses? Where is the jockeys? And I didn't realise there were... Uh, Getting rearranging the, getting ready the, the for second. We were going to, Alan, course. <laughs> we were going to uh, meander rather than run around, you know. But um, I, I watched it when I came back uh, on Saturday morning and it was just as well I didn't know because I wouldn't have been in, on the ground. I wouldn't have seen the rest. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. I think this story is really special because uh, I'm sure you're, you're both very successful in your, in your own businesses. But, yeah, but... Well, I'm a good bricklayer anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I bet you're good at it. Oh, very good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what yeah. I'm trying to say is we get used to, you know, people who own countries and things like that, or, or islands and, and, and very rich people. And, and just the fact that, I, I mean, I don't know, people who know you better than me might say you're, you're lunatics, but you seem to be just down-to-earth, normal guys who just struck so lucky in this game with some terrific, fun horses. A good national hunt people, I would describe us, uh, Matt. We've enjoyed it for so long, and we've a lot of good friends um, that would have probably I would have started out going national hunt racing with, and we've made a huge amount of very good friends since we started. So you know, it's it, it goes both ways, but it's it's such an enjoyable sport to be involved in. It's it's terrific over in Ireland because it is different over there to here. That it's still a bit like in Australia. It's still part of the community that you won't bump into many people who don't know someone who's something to do with a horse. Yeah, and, and a lot of the race courses you will meet the same people. Mm. There's not obviously a spread apart as it is in the UK. Mm. As well as that, Brad, I was a horse sport. You know, we live in the village of Clane. So you have the GA, the rugby, the soccer. You have tennis. You have athletics. Uh, and of course, you have the, the racing people. So everybody's involved in some sport, one way or the other, you know. And we and, see uh, Fasil Vega. Yeah, we see Fasil Vega in which race next? Uh, <laughs> Willie Mullins. I was going to say if yeah, if, if Willie tells you, will you let me know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, I, that's a fair point you make, Joe. Like, uh, and we touched on this uh, with with uh, with Richard from Cheveley Park as well. That there's so much firepower. I mean, this horse is we think in a league of his own anyway. But we know, we, we, we know that sometimes Willie will wait quite late before playing his hand. Everyone assumes that he's a supreme horse, but he might not be. Could he go two and a half instead, potentially? I'm sure he could. This time last year, I'd say everyone was um, saying Sir Garhard was guaranteed to be in the supreme. Yeah. So, like, would you like to say anything is guaranteed? Not with Willie. No, so <laughs> let's but, just wait and see. And I'm sure when they um, when the time comes for making that decision, he generally seems to make the right one. Yeah, he does. And you've been there before, actually. It wasn't Thousand Stars quite a late decision as well, weren't his, yeah. his trip? Yeah.
Yeah, you have to sit and wait, lad. Look, if he does message me first, I'll let you know, though. Don't worry. <laughs> Very good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lads, really appreciate you sending that video to us, and uh, we're really excited. Like, we have Constitution Hill. I think the Irish have Facil Vega at the moment, and it's, it's really exciting to have these kind of monsters to look forward to. So thanks for joining us. Have a, have a great time with this horse. Yeah, lads, it certainly won't happen this year, but wouldn't it be something to look forward to if it was able to happen in 2024? Oh, or I should say cards, this season. It? It's on the cards, potentially. Yeah. Look, good stuff. Thanks, Sean and Jay. Thanks for your time. Happy Christmas, lads. lads thanks you. for having us on. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Oh, that was nice, wasn't it? Sean, I enjoyed Dean that. and Jerry, but yeah. Just, just yeah. living the dream. It's Obviously, very successful boys. They've got a few quid. They can splash it around a bit. And they've been, I mean, Quavega. Yeah. I didn't want to get into the championship. She should have run in a champion hurdle, though, shouldn't she? Well, I'm glad you resisted the urge to tell them what they should have done with them. <laughs> like, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful. Well, there's no one watching this show <laughs> who, do, well, maybe apart from Willie, who doesn't wish that she just had one go. I know she won all the mares and it was amazing to win about 100 of those, but just she just Different had more ability it, yeah, yeah maybe maybe and given what other mayors have gone on to do since i suppose but it's worked out well hasn't it it's worked out well because oh look could go and win a i imagine the lads the were quite happy to have 50 hundred mayors hurdles to be honest and and the roar they will have given those horses up the hill etc um they've, they've very done important well. to have those owners still in the sport though you know yeah. like as, as you touch on rather than the superpowers different world in ireland successful yeah yeah different world have one or two mares and and and, and live the dream and they're certainly living the dream uh, sean and Jer, thanks for their time so far today we've got to take another short break we could squeeze in a few more of your thoughts after this racing Hi. Apologies. <laughs> we had a bit of a, a false alarm. You wanted more, didn't you, Sean? Basically. I, I, I've miscounted the number of breaks. I was sure we had another break. Hello. We had a slightly later start, which has thrown me, along with a few other things. If we do this, when this goes online, they can package it up so it doesn't look as though we've messed up. Let's, so, let's that, was, that was terrific from the Irish boys. Absolutely fantastic. Sean will be back next week. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.